You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. when they Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Evert, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 16. Today we will have our second of two episodes dealing with questions asked by our faithful listeners. In last week's episode, we answered several questions that were submitted, and this week we will answer the remaining questions that we received. Our questions today all relate to the topic of salvation, and the first two are related. What exactly does salvation mean, and what am I being saved from? Father, how would you answer these questions? I'd begin by saying they're good questions because they're what I would call big picture questions. Uh, So we often take certain things for granted, and then when we step back to look at the bigger picture, or when maybe somebody challenges our faith, we aren't prepared to answer these bigger picture questions because we just take them for granted. So I'm thankful the listener submitted these questions uh, for us to discuss. And I'll begin by speaking about what salvation means. Uh, I think all Christians would agree there's a certain juridical or legal component to salvation. And by that I mean uh, there's the final judgment where Jesus, who is appointed by God according to the New Testament, will render a judgment based on how we lived our lives. In this respect, I love how the American court system works because it helps us understand the final judgment. The two verdicts at that great judgment are the same as the two verdicts that can be rendered in a criminal court case in America. You're either deemed guilty or not guilty. And how is that important or relevant to the final judgment? Well, we all know what it means to be guilty. It means the jury decided you committed a specific crime beyond a reasonable doubt. But the more important aspect of this as it relates to our final judgment is that the jury never has the opportunity to render an innocent verdict. In the criminal court system, the opposite verdict of guilty is not innocent, but rather not guilty. Now, we can all understand there's potentially a big difference uh, between being innocent of something and being found not guilty in court. In fact, a jury could uh, decide that a person that was charged with the crime more probably than not actually committed the crime. Uh, But that alone should actually lead to a not guilty verdict because the standard in criminal court to give a guilty verdict is that the person is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So as a jury, you could think there's an 80% chance that a person committed the crime, but if there is reasonable doubt, you have to return by law a not guilty verdict. So in God's courtroom, no one besides Jesus has been declared as innocent, and because he alone was declared innocent by God, he is the one to execute the judgment, and the verdicts are either guilty or not guilty. And what we hope for, obviously, is the not guilty verdict. The not guilty verdict means that even though we were not innocent, nonetheless, we showed the same mercy towards others that God showed to us. Therefore, Jesus will declare us not guilty, even though we have clearly committed crimes against God's will and God's commands. So we will live for eternity in his kingdom, knowing that, in fact, we're guilty, but he still declared us by his grace and by his mercy to be considered not guilty in his courtroom. This is again the juridical or the legal understanding of salvation which is of the utmost importance but still uh, does not give us the full picture. Okay, so what exactly do you mean by that, Father, that it does not give us the full picture? 
Well, again, uh, this juridical approach is biblical and important, so I don't want to dismiss that at all. But there is more to salvation than just the final judgment and being declared not guilty uh, on that day. And what I refer to here is that we need to understand salvation in a biblical context. In the biblical languages, uh, both in Hebrew and in Greek, uh, the words translated as salvation into English are closely related to the words for health. To be saved, then, means to be made healthy. And that's why it's so strange to hear the question that many Christians in our society today ask, are you saved? Unless we're living a perfect and sinless life, uh, then we cannot really answer that question, are you saved, in the affirmative. Because the question is essentially asking if we're spiritually healthy. And the answer for everyone that I know, certainly for myself, the answer to that question is no. Now, obviously, if we're sincere Christians, we're working on becoming spiritually healthy. And some of us might be a little healthier than others, but all of us are still in the process of being fully healed, of fully living the way that Jesus lived. Father, I think that was a very helpful concept for me to learn. And I think the idea of being healthy, of being spiritually healed by God, is critically important for us to understand. And does that understanding then help to address the question that I mentioned from the listener earlier, as well as to the question, what am I being saved from? Yes, great point, Jason. Uh, It does help address that question. And really the main answer is that we're being saved from ourselves. Uh, We're being healed from the damage that we inflict upon ourselves by our personal sins. Uh, But we're also being healed from the damage we inflict on others and that they inflict on us by our corporate sins, by our general condition of behaving in unhealthy ways towards one another. What about being saved from Satan? How does that fit into this? That's an area where I think we have to be very careful. Uh, I sometimes hear and read things where there's a sort of dualism, where people kind of attribute to Satan the same type of power they attribute to God. In other words, it's as though they view Satan as this very powerful person, almost or as powerful as God, but who tries to get us to do evil. You know, kind of like the old, uh, used to see in the cartoons with the devil on one side and the angel on the other of your shoulder trying to get you, one getting you to do good, the other to get you to do evil. So we have to be careful of this. And we've talked on this podcast about how certain parts of the Bible, and I would say most explicitly the book of Job, uh, show that the devil is not at all equal to God, and in a sense works uh, at times at least as the district attorney who tries the case against you. But no matter how you look at it, we as human beings made in the image of God have to take responsibility and accountability for our own actions. Otherwise, we fall into the situation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, trying to deflect blame and making excuses. It's much better than to take accountability, to recognize our shortcomings, and to seek forgiveness and healing. And of course, we cannot just end there. We have to also show that same forgiveness and mercy to others. Unfortunately, this is my main problem with many Christians and and the way that they approach salvation. They want to end with saying uh, that they're sinners and accept God's mercy. But we often don't understand that that's meaningless if we don't turn around and show that same attitude towards our neighbor. The next question is about the relationship between baptism and salvation. How are these related? Well, I think many people seem to think that if we're baptized, 
or even more so if we're baptized using the correct formula or in the correct uh, Christian tradition, that somehow this makes it much more likely or even certain that we'll be saved at the final judgment, uh, as we discussed at the beginning. But this approach is obviously inaccurate. Of course, that's not to say that we shouldn't follow uh, a proper formula to baptize or that we can just accept any type of baptism that isn't performed in, in a healthy and proper way. But the symbolism is of the utmost importance, uh, yet we still have to educate people on what that symbolism means and how we then have to live our lives. I would begin then by pointing out that baptism has always been the initiation rite of becoming a Christian, and that means it's the first step. It's the first thing that you do as a Christian. Uh, in other words, uh, there are many steps after that, so baptism is just the beginning, and the baptism service certainly in the Orthodox Church makes that clear. But again, the symbolism is important, and the obvious symbolism is that one is submersed in the water. You're going to die if your head's not lifted back up. But in the baptism, you are raised back up so that you don't physically die. But as Jesus says in uh, John chapter 3, you are born anew, or as it's often translated, born again, meaning that you have died in a spiritual sense, so that you may, as Paul says in Romans 6, which we read at our Orthodox baptism service, that we may walk in newness of life. In short, then, baptism is the beginning of the road. It shows that you recognize the way of the human being, the way of the flesh, scripturally speaking, is a way that leads to sure death, but the way of God leads to eternal life. All right, final question. When discussing salvation with some of my friends, they criticize me because I say I do not have what they call assurance that I am saved. They say they know that they are saved, that the Bible gives them assurance of this. I tell them I have to wait until the final judgment. How should we understand this from a biblical perspective? Yes, that's a good question because it is something that uh, sometimes our Christian friends or family will ask us about or even criticize about us uh, if we say that we have to wait until the final judgment. The easiest answer is this. Uh, we do have assurance about our salvation. But the problem in saying that is that people often misconstrue this assurance. We have assurance from God. We can be confident in Him. We know that He will save us. But that statement cannot end there if we are to be true to Scripture. There's always a qualifier. And the qualifier is, we are, we are assured He will do that if, and I stress if, we hold up our end of the deal. So we have absolute assurance that God will do His part. That's not even a question mark for us as Christians. That means that the ball is in our court, so to speak. It's up to us to execute our end of the deal. And that's why it's mistaken to say we know we will be saved or we are assured that we personally will be saved. Uh, while we do know and trust that God will absolutely hold up his end of the deal, we still have to hold up our end. And this is why I keep uh, repeating the saying I learned from Father Paul Tarazi that I've mentioned before on our podcast in many sermons and, of course, uh, privately to others when we talk about this topic. And it's a beautiful play on words. Salvation is free of charge, but with a charge. That means that salvation does not cost us anything. It's not something that we can earn or buy. It's given to us freely by God, but it comes with a charge, meaning that it comes with a command. 
And that command, of course, is to behave as mercifully towards others as God first behaved towards us in forgiving us and offering us salvation. Father, I love that saying because it deals with a rather complex issue and really makes it simple to understand. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Although the issue really is not that complex, it's just that we make it complex. I mean, you can explain this to very young children and they get it. For example, from the time they were probably five or six, I might ask my oldest kids to pick up after their younger siblings uh, when I'm in a hurry. And they naturally protest that they didn't make the mess. And if I calmly explain to them, you know, I understand. I'm asking for your help. Sometimes you make a mess, and I pick that up for you. So now I'm asking you to help me by doing this for your brother or for your sister. Then they seem to get it. Uh, they may not always like it. That's a, that's a different matter. They might protest like the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, but they understand the request is entirely reasonable. And so no matter what, whether people agree, disagree, aren't sure about this approach or this saying, what to make of it, uh, when we talk about this issue, I just keep repeating it, that salvation is free of charge, but with a charge. And I think sooner or later, most people understand that this is the only biblical way to understand the issue. And if they don't, well, I just keep repeating it because there's no other way, in my opinion, to understand it. Thank you, Father. And thanks to all of our listeners who submitted their questions. We began our discussion today with a focus on salvation, both what it means and what it is we are being saved from. Father Aaron explained that salvation is comprised of the final judgment, where we will receive either a guilty or not guilty verdict. A verdict of not guilty does not mean we are innocent, for Christ Jesus alone is innocent, but that even though we have committed crimes against God, he will save us by his grace and mercy if we have shown that same mercy to others. The other component of salvation is that we are continually being saved, or a better understanding of the word, that we are being healed spiritually. This healing is a process and not a one-time event. In answer to the question, what am I being saved from, Father's response was that we are being saved from ourselves, and that salvation is the process by which we are healed from the damage we cause both to ourselves and to others as a result of our sins. We then discuss the relationship between baptism and salvation. Father Aaron stressed that baptism itself does not provide us with our salvation, but rather it is the first step as we begin, as St. Paul says, to walk in newness of life. We concluded our discussion with a question regarding the assurance of our salvation. While we do have assurance from God that he will save us, A condition of this assurance is that we must do our part as well. Father then left us with the wisdom of Father Paul Tarazi, who said, Salvation is free of charge, but with a charge. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.